This week, a special edition of the Listening Post. We're looking at Europe, digging into the discourse there, the coverage of Israel's war on Gaza. Beginning in Germany, Israel's most dependable ally in the EU, where shows of support for Palestinians have been suppressed, demonized. France, where much of the coverage is toxic, and where the debate on Gaza has been weaponized against minorities. Plus, the outlier that is Ireland where there has been probing criticism of Israel's actions from politicians. When does Palestine get the right to defend itself? And in the media. If the United States has aided, abetted and helped finance Israel's campaign of ethnic cleansing in Gaza, the European Union has been complicit as well. Like their allies in Washington, EU officials have provided their support for Israel's war refusing to condemn it the way they have Hamas's attacks or call for a ceasefire. And while there is significant empathy for Israel among Europeans, there is also growing public opposition to this war, along with demands that their governments do more to stop it. Across the EU, there are different shades in the news coverage, depending on which country you're in. In this special episode, we will examine the discourse around the conflict in three countries. We'll look at France, where some television news channels have distorted the debate to suit their own agendas. And Ireland, where support for the Palestinians is more widespread and far more tolerated. But our starting point is Germany. It's the EU's largest economy, a country where historical guilt over the Holocaust has created one of the most pro-Israel media climates around, and where dissenting voices are routinely censored or intimidated into silence. In diesem Moment gibt es für Deutschland nur einen Platz, den Platz an der Seite Israels. Germany's relationship with Israel is unlike that of any other country. It's a relationship that goes beyond loyalty and support. Ensuring Israel's security and existence is part of what Germans call Staatsräson, the country's raison d'être. Israel's Sicherheit as deutsche Staatsräson war nie eine Lehrformel. Und er darf auch keine werden. Germany's past, the genocide of almost six million European Jews during the Holocaust, informs every aspect of the country's public and political discourse around Israel. For many Germans, Israel is above reproach. Und deshalb sind die Vorwürfe, die gegen Israel da erhoben werden, absurd. The outright support for Israel in Germany constitutes a sort of a comforting thought that, okay, the, the, the people that we as Germans oppressed and killed and treated so badly historically now have their kind of own state and everything is fine. It's not so much that Israel is supported in Germany because we come to terms with its past, but it's a shortcut for, for not really coming to terms with our past. When Germany categorized Israel's national security as their reason of state, they essentially wanted to solve their problem of being described as the original anti-Semites of the world. They want to put the past behind them. So Germany, instead of listening to their actual Jewish citizens, instead of fighting anti-Semitism in a way that protects all Jewish people, what it has done instead is take a vehemently and staunch pro-Israel stance where they essentially can, can do no wrong. In this atmosphere of unwavering political support for Israel, German media outlets have also shown pro-Israel bias in their reporting. This is reflected in the one-sidedness of talk show debates. 
Hassterroristen haben es ganz bewusst darauf angelegt, unschuldige Zivilistinnen und Zivilisten brutalstmöglich zu ermorden. Ich habe nicht den Eindruck, dass Israel es bewusst darauf anlegt, Zivilistinnen und Zivilisten zu töten. For Bild, the biggest newspaper in Germany, Hamas freed Israeli hostages, while Israel freed Palestinian terrorists. And mainstream outlets from ARD, the public broadcaster, to media conglomerate Axel Springer have issued strict guidance to their journalists on this story. ARD sent an internal memo to its journalists where in it it states that um, if any civilian deaths take place, it has to be stated as these civilians are being used as human shields and this was provocated by Hamas. Es kann natürlich auch daran liegen, dass die Hamas darauf setzt, dass viel Zivilbevölkerung im Norden des Gazastreifens verbleibt und dann sozusagen als menschliches Schutzschild wirkt. And if that's the only image that Germans see, then the public are not going to understand the actual scale of this war and just how much violence has been inflicted on an innocent civilian population. Axel Springer has like support for Israel written into its work contract. So if you work as a journalist for one of their outlets, say Bild Zeitung, which is the biggest newspaper in the German media landscape, or Die Welt, you are kind of committed already from the get-go, regardless of what your personal views might be, to report in a pro-Israeli way. What that often translates to is literally outright support of Israel government policies. Bild newspaper is the most widely read newspaper in Germany. And its journalistic standards if one can call them that, are pretty unspeakable. Then you have Die Welt, which is slightly more highbrow, but ideologically it's cut from the same cloth. And then you also have Der Spiegel, which recently ran an article about Greta Thunberg. You can only call it a hit piece, really. Just this, this absurd personal attack on her because she has recently been quite vocal about her support for Palestine. We tried to speak to ARD and Axel Springer, but neither outlet granted us an interview or a statement. And those in Germany who go against the grain on this story risk being blacklisted or sidelined. Journalists challenging the prevailing narrative in newsrooms have been fired. Exhibitions, workshops and conferences in the cultural sphere have been cancelled or delayed. Peaceful protests have been either banned, criminalized or violently repressed. Now, Germany has one of Europe's largest Palestinian diasporas, but it's also become one of the most censored places for anyone who expresses solidarity with Palestinians or anyone who speaks out against Israel's war crimes in Gaza. There's an increasing climate of censorship in Germany in the last um, five to six weeks, a climate of kind of Botox, McCarthyism. It's really quite intense. Kofis have been forbidden in schools, like symbols of the Palestinian flag, symbols of Palestinian identity have been forbidden. Anything that can basically be interpretable as anti-Semitic, and that's a very sort of like wide range of things for in the German society, has been kind of damned. Gewalt und Hass auf den Straßen. Islamisten fordern das Kalifat und sind sich mit Rechts- und Linksextremisten nur in einem einig. Israel und die Juden sind an allem schuld. I don't believe Germany has come to terms with its past, because what they're doing is stifling conversation. 
stifling any progress or any sort of critical discourse. And now because the spotlight has been shone on Germany and, and German discourse, more and more people are realizing that this is not fighting anti-Semitism. This is attacking Palestinians. Essentially, Palestinian existence is offensive to many in Germany. That's the simplest way to put it, really, because Palestinians interfere with this utopian narrative that, that the Holocaust was at least slightly balanced out by the foundation of Israel. In terms of the moral and cultural identity that Germany promotes of itself, it's hard for Palestinians to find a place which doesn't just involve demonization or erasure. Germany is the EU state where debate on the war in Gaza is most heavily censored. France may be the country where the discourse is at its most intense and volatile. France is home to both Europe's largest community of Jews and its biggest Muslim population. So its citizens are more invested in this conflict than most, especially since it has been fanning the flames of both anti-Semitism and Islamophobia there. The Macron government has been strident about which side it's on, supporting bans placed on pro-Palestine demonstrations by local authorities, and much of the media have effectively taken the same view. News outlets owned by conservative billionaires have been peddling Israeli talking points and weaponizing this war to go after some familiar targets, immigrants, Islam, and the political left. The Listening Post's Minak Shiravi now on some of the factors that feed into the intensity around France's debate on the Israel-Gaza war. October 10th, three days after Hamas's attack on Israel and France's most-watched news channel, BFM TV, is reporting an incendiary claim that among Hamas's victims were 40 infants. Ils ont dénombré pas moins de 40 enfants qui ont été exécutés, éventrés. The reporter making that claim, a claim which was soon disproven, was not one of BFM's own. He worked for I-24 News, an Israeli pro-Netanyahu channel that has the same owner as BFM, the French-Israeli billionaire Patrick Drahi. It was I-24 News that first reported the dead baby's claim. Babies, their heads got off, that's what they said. Throughout this war, BFM has relied on I-24 News for much of its coverage, and it shows. BFM TV has acted as a message relay medium for the Israeli military. A lot of space was given to a representative of the army, and that gave him a platform to spread propaganda. L'hôpital Al-Shifa à Gaza est effectivement l'épicentre, le centre névralgique. The fact that there is a through line from a propaganda channel like I-24 News to a French news channel which is required to cover the news impartially is an ethical problem. I don't even dare to imagine the reaction in France if we had a 24-hour outlet that broadcast content from a Russian channel. There's impunity when it comes to Israel. Senior editorial staff at BFM have themselves taken issue with the channel's coverage complaining to management about a lack of balance. Among their misgivings, the repeated interviews with a certain Julien Baloul. Julien Baloul, you are a specialist of the society Israelienne. 
described to viewers as a French-Israeli living in Tel Aviv or a specialist in Israeli society, Bahlul is in fact a former spokesperson for the Israeli military as well as a former journalist for I-24 News. BFM did not respond to our request for comment. However, some of those disgruntled journalists at the channel say its reporting has begun to improve. Coverage of the war by France's publicly funded news outlets and some of its newspapers has been more even-handed. But that still leaves plenty of others in an increasingly right-wing media landscape pushing some dubious, divisive narratives. I've often had the impression that the French media were telling us a story of civilization against barbarism. Rien n'est plus monstrueux que de vouloir expliquer la barbarie. Several commentators have told us we absolutely cannot compare a child killed by Hamas on October 7th and a baby killed by Israeli bombings in Gaza. On ne peut pas comparer le fait d'avoir tué des enfants délibérément en attaquant comme le fait le Hamas et le fait de tuer des enfants involontairement en se défendant comme le fait Israël. La manière dont ils ont été tués Elle, elle est différente et elle, elle part de notre inhumanité ou de notre humanité. What has greatly affected the media coverage is that there are very, very few Palestinian voices on TV panels. In most cases, there are none. We are invisible in the French media landscape. And so there are no voices to provide a counter-narrative, to correct lies, to correct an analysis that has dehumanized the Palestinian cause. Instead, for two or three weeks, we found ourselves in an endless debate about who considers Hamas as a terrorist group, who does not, who condemns it, who does not, without ever going into the real issues in any depth. Since twenty fifteen in France, we have been very sensitive to the risk of Islamist attacks. And what we saw on October 7th reminded us of the attacks we've had in France. So, it was the nature of October 7th that led to it being interpreted in that way. Even so, all opinions are represented in the French media as they are in most Western media and as I would hope at Al Jazeera as well. The discourse in France over the war in Gaza is unique because of two factors. One historical, the other demographic. There was France's role in the World War II Holocaust, when the government installed by the Nazi occupation helped deport an estimated 75,000 Jews to the death camps. And modern-day France is home to Europe's largest populations of both Jews and Muslims. That demands a delicate approach on the part of the Macron government, which for the most part has been missing. Macron's interior minister, Gérald Damanin, set the tone, quickly imposing a nationwide ban specifically on pro-Palestine protests, citing a risk of, quote, public order disturbances. France's top court later watered down that policy, which demonstrators had ignored anyway, risking arrest in their thousands. Damanin's lopsided approach towards bigoted attacks has also riled people. Since early in the war, he has toured French TV studios, sharing government figures on the surge in anti-Semitic incidents. It took weeks of pressure from Muslim community leaders before Darmanam published the stats for Islamophobia, which has also spiked. Multiple right-wing voices in the media have been using the rise in anti-Semitism to delegitimize pro-Palestine protesters and to demonize Muslims. During the war, the issue of Islamophobia has somewhat disappeared from the coverage. What's more, there are Islamophobic media outlets in France. The most scandalous is CNews, 
owned by the billionaire Vincent Bolloré, who is a Catholic fundamentalist. He has become extremely powerful and his news outlets spread Islamophobia. On CNews, hosts like Pascal Prod or Sonia Mabrouk always emphasize that Muslims can't integrate, that they can't understand the values of the French Republic. La haine du juif, la haine de l'Occident, et donc la haine de la France fait la guerre de civilisation, vraiment. These media personalities read the Israel-Palestine conflict as the expression of an incompatibility between democracy and the Arab-Muslim world. The coverage by these far-right news outlets has argued that if we are pro-Palestinian, we are necessarily anti-Semitic and drawing links with theories about terrorism and Islamism. But we must not forget that many people from immigrant backgrounds in Europe come from the history of decolonization. We are facing one of the last colonial conflicts in the world, and so it's normal that people who come from these anti-colonial struggles rally around the Palestinian cause. There is one country in Europe that hasn't lined up behind Israel, the closest thing the EU has to an outlier, Ireland. Its government has used words like disproportionate to describe Israel's bombing of Gaza, terms like collective punishment, and opposition politicians there have taken it further. Way back in 1980, Ireland became the first EU government to call for Palestinian statehood. There is an affinity with Palestinians that is rooted in a shared history of colonialism, occupation and division under British rule. Ireland's political consensus on Palestine is, for the most part, reflected in its media. News outlets have provided the kind of journalism that, while hardly radical, cannot be found almost anywhere else in Europe, giving space to both Israelis and Palestinians. The Listening Post's Tarek Nafa now on how the war on Gaza is playing out across Irish politics and media. It's genocide, openly declared and carried out by the apartheid state of Israel. The Irish position is somewhat of an outlier uh, amongst European nations. Ireland has been quite vocal about calling for an end to what's going on on the ground. Would you accept the accusation by the Irish government that that seems to have been really driven by revenge? There is a lot of criticism from Irish politicians of the Israeli offensive in Gaza and the overall position of the Israelis when it comes to the West Bank. So the media tends to reflect that. The debate around Palestine in Ireland is unlike almost anywhere else in Europe. You can hear it in the language used by Prime Minister Leo Varadkar. But I have huge sympathy for the Palestinian people. Um, they've been horribly treated now for 75 years. and It's evident in the positions held across the political spectrum. When does Palestine get the right to defend itself? In the voices you hear on the streets, and it's echoed in the Irish media, their approach to the story and the questions they're asking. If you are killing people who are of a particular nationality or of a particular ethnicity, that is the very legal definition of genocide. Absolutely not. It is. We are not. The coverage of Israel and the um, mechanizations of the Israeli government have been quite impartial. I've written opinion pieces that have called for a ceasefire straight away and for the carnage to stop. That's controversial in other jurisdictions, but I feel like this is a normal, logical thing to call for. 
I wouldn't necessarily say anything's radical about it. The position is Irish people have compassion for what is happening in Gaza when they see dead children, dead doctors, dead nurses, dead civilians. There's no position in Ireland that is critical of Israel's right to defend itself or Israel's right to exist or anything like that. There is the same amount of compassion for those who are the victims of Hamas's savage attack. It's just that I think the feeling in Ireland is that the innocent civilians in Gaza shouldn't pay the price for what Hamas has done. Ireland's affinity with Palestine is shaped by the country's colonial past and a shared history of resistance to British rule. Ireland was Britain's oldest colony. The tools of control Britain used there, suppression, violence and division, informed British colonial rule elsewhere in the world, including in Palestine. And then there is Ireland's more recent history, the civil conflict in Northern Ireland known as the Troubles, and the difficult sacrifices Ireland has made in the pursuit of peace, which some suggest offers a template to Palestinians and Israelis. Miracles are hard to believe in, but it's worth remembering that we are currently living our own miracle on this island. And for all those in Israel and Palestine tonight, it mightn't seem like it, but there's always hope. And we hope that your miracle comes soon. Ireland has fought British colonialism, has experienced imperialism. We have our, our legacy of experiencing ethnic cleansing, forcible transfer, genocide through hunger and starvation. So Ireland has a natural affiliation when it comes to standing in solidarity with other colonized people. Of course, there are uh, those on the island of Ireland who would find affinity with uh, the Israeli state, but in many ways, it is the, the stance of the Irish people is in standing strong in favor of, of Palestine and Palestinian liberation. Beyond the shared history of oppression, what explains the Irish position is a grasp of reality. I think our military uh, neutrality has a lot to do with that. When you see a piece of land and its people being bombarded by an extraordinarily well-resourced military, the call for peace is a, pr is a pretty obvious one. Our foreign policy has been very consistent for decades, and not just on the issue of the two-state solution for Palestine, but our adherence to multilateralism. Ireland uh, has, a, has had its own peace process, and to do that, we had to uh, get our diaspora on board. We had to have international friends to help us along the way. And I think the feeling in Ireland is the Palestinians don't have any friends. The Irish are seen as advocates for Palestinian rights in a continent that has mostly stood shoulder to shoulder with Israel. However, Ireland's Conservative government has faced criticism from the opposition for not going far enough. That the recitation of all of our interventions and charitable acts for the Palestinian people do not relieve you as a government of your primary responsibility to hold Israel accountable to the world for its acts of... The government has been vocal, but its actions have been limited. It has not recalled its ambassador to Israel or cut diplomatic ties like a number of countries across the global south. Ireland may stand out in Europe, but the discourse in its politics and its media shows that its stance is hardly radical. The discourse and the language that is used at a European level is echoed by the Irish government 
and that in and of itself will find itself into the mainstream media. So we are viewed in Europe as being somewhat of an outlier, but that's still a relatively conservative position. We may say one or two words differently to our European counterparts, but that isn't a huge difference. Ireland was very much behind, you know, the most the, the language around condemning Hamas, um, releasing the hostages, Israel's right to defend itself, but wanted to ensure that amongst all of that was this, the Palestinian civilians, that they would have their rights observed under international humanitarian law. It can use its small voice to ensure that the Palestinians are not forgotten, the civilians in Palestine and Gaza are not forgotten. You've been watching a special edition of The Listening Post on the news coverage, the discourse surrounding Israel's unprecedented assault on the Gaza Strip, a story which has exposed deep divisions within European societies and differences between EU states. Watch this space for where this story goes next.